Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to the Delicious Magazine May podcast. This month, Michelle Rue Jr. reflects on 50 years of Le Gavroche. Author Veronica Henry visits independent food producers in Bath to find inspiration for her next novel. Samaya Osmani tells us how to get the best out of our spices. And we join Jamie Oliver at a cook-off with a difference. But first to the kitchens at BAFTA, the British Academy of Film and Television, where Delicious Magazine is hosting a screening of the movie Chef. Readers enjoy a seven-course tasting menu created by chef Anton Manganaro, followed by a screening of the film in which John Favreau plays the frustrated hero who swaps the constraints of fine dining for a food truck road trip. Anton told me what he's expecting from the night. 160 people um, coming in, tasting two sides of the film. The first side uh, is all the classic French style of food that he cooked at the time. Um, some really good flavours, some really good ingredients and then a little bit more innovative, a little bit more relaxed style after the meal. I joined Anton as he practised making one of the signature dishes of the film, the molten chocolate lava cake. I asked him how the film resonates with him as a chef. I've seen it about 15 times now. It is one of those all-time punch-the-sky feel-good films, isn't it? Is, it? It, is a good, it is a good film. Have you felt his pain? I think most chefs have felt his pain. Also being told what to cook yeah. as a chef. I think not a lot of chefs like that. I think you need to balance it. I think you need to allow the chef the, uh, the, the scope and the time to be creative. Yeah. Otherwise you're just stifling. And what about the role of the critic? He, he nails it on the head, doesn't he? He said the food is, is passé, it's, it's old, it's tired. You can re- and he really felt the chef through the food. So who's your favourite critic? Uh, all of them. I love them all. <laughs> yeah, sadly, A.A. A. Gill passed away. He was great. I think they're all good. I think you can't knock a critic. Faye Mashler has been at the forefront. Yeah, she's been around since the 70s, hasn't she? Totally, and she knows her food, and she knows what it should be and what it shouldn't be. Customers are paying a lot of money, and they want the best. Now, the really tricky thing about a chocolate fondant is stopping it collapsing when it comes out of the oven. So, a important part of this is taking the, is unveiling the fondant, um, and that can be the chef's worst nightmare. They, can't, they sometimes don't set properly in the ring. For 160 people oh on the night, um, Luigi will actually be cooking and my pastry chef. Uh, so no pressure there, Luigi, will there for 160 people? I still think about that. <laughs> I need to prepare <laughs> mentally. So what are we doing now? So we've done the butter, 70% uh, bitter chocolate, and we're just going to mix in the sugar. Where's the chocolate from? It's Barona. If you use the golden uh, cast sugar, you're going to get that slightly caramelly flavour. Which is, which is fine now. It's just not 1990s. No, not yeah. at all. And just add the eggs in, straight like that. It's when you bake it, 
The egg is a setting agent, but you want to catch it so it's all running in the middle. Some chefs used to make a ganache and freeze that, um, and then put the mixture into the, um, the ring, and then drop the frozen ball. And he, he talks about that in the film, and that's why he gets really annoyed about it, because he says it's, it's a trick. It's not even properly done. Um, Do you agree? If I was in 160 people, Luigi wants to go that way with it. But I'm saying, come Luigi, we've got to keep it true to the... Uh, yeah, it's all about the film, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, we have to. And he's, bless him, he's getting a bit nervous, but we'll have a dry run uh, and make sure it works out for the night. When you cut it open, it has that gorgeous... Molten interior, and it is beautiful. The chocolate is beautiful. So we're going to serve this very simply with some chocolate soil, which is basically chocolate sable biscuits ground up, um, some chantilly cream, and some salted caramel sauce. Caramel. I put it to you, it was not really around in the No, it wasn't, no. It wasn't, and that's going to be my take on this. That's my little John Favreau moment. With the fondants in the oven, I asked him about some of the people he's cooked for at BAFTA. Leonardo DiCaprio, because he's a vegan. So we had English uh, beach roasted peppers, black and white quinoa with radish, lemon and avocado, leek and wild mushrooms, pickled heritage carrots with poppy seed dressing and beetroot gel. That was just a starter. Oh my God. And then followed with an aubergine tiang with peppers, chestnut mushrooms, with a herb crust, a tomato salsa sauce, leaf spinach and rosemary potatoes. And then for dessert, we get a coconut creme brulee, fresh raspberries, lime and Thai basil. And it was all vegan. Fabulous. It was great, yeah. Did you say thank you afterwards? No, it was too busy. <laughs> <laughs> Is that our fondants? Yes, it's our fondants. So they've come out. I'm just going to touch them. A little bit of the extra chili cream. I'm going to put it on the plate, yeah. Peel off the parchment and ta-da, there it is. There it is. Looking, standing proud. Look, that is absolutely exquisite. And that's what we'll be like on the day. And you can try the recipe yourself by going to the Delicious Magazine website. Now, it's 50 years since the Roux brothers Michel and Albert became the godfathers of modern British food at La Gavroche, which was the first three Michelin-starred restaurant in the country. I suggested to Michel Roux Jr., who now wears the apron, that it now spans the entire history of modern food culture. I suppose it does. I mean, it is crazy when you think 1967 uh, to now, um, how the food scene has changed in Britain. It is incredible. I mean, for those who do remember the 60s, um, yeah, it was, it was pretty dire here. There, there were a few good restaurants, a few good places to eat, but there were few and far between, and they were really for the elite. Much of the Rue legacy is down to the number of chefs Michel Senior and Albert have trained over the years. The amount of staff that have come through the kitchens of Le Gavroche and the Waterside Inn and, and, and the Rue kitchens in general um, is phenomenal. And these young British chefs then went on to open up their own restaurants um, and have now trained even more young British chefs. So it's been self-perpetuating. But what, what is wonderful is that these young British chefs um, have then developed their own style. And, uh, and, that, and that's wonderful to see. It's very, very heartwarming. I mean, people like Marco Pierre White, Gordon Ramsay, just to mention two, um, have gone on to do great things um, and, and have just raised the bar even more. Uh, and not just raised the bar, but then democratised as well. I asked him what he thought was the secret of the success at Le Gavroche. Um, we stayed true to our roots. We're very French, very classical, and I think that's probably part of the secret of our success and our longevity. We regularly see 
grandparents bringing their, their grandchildren here to, to initiate them into the, the, you know, the, the cheese souffle or things like that, which is wonderful. If we had changed that and, and we followed, and followed fads, then you know, we probably wouldn't be here now talking. It's, a, it's an assurance, it's a surety, and, uh, and it's a certain style. Some may say dated, but I think we have evolved over the years. Um, so the food has changed, but it's still recognisably uh, classic and rude. In another 50 years, will there still be roos running the garage? Well, I, I won't be around, at least I don't think so. I mean, I, I'm 56, I'll be 106, I doubt it. Well, you never know. I'd like to think so. I'd like to think that, you know, the roux, the roux style would be still around and recognised. And what will London look like in terms of this French standard in, in Mayfair mm. and this increasing sort of cultural mix? Well, London has always been a melting pot, which is, which is wonderful. But all these fantastic restaurants that have opened up over the years um, and different styles, I think that's what sets London apart, uh, say from Paris, for example. Um, you can't get a decent Indian in, in, in Paris, <laughs> or let alone a Chinese or anything like that. London, I think, has the edge on Paris in, in that respect. I, th- I think the British are far more open to different cultures, different tastes, uh, they like to experiment, um, whereas the French are very reserved, or have been in the past reserved, um, and, and and quite pig-headed, shall I say, when it comes to, to what is good and not good in, in the food scene. They always say the French is best, which, you know, fine, fair enough, in, in some instances may be, but it shouldn't be to the detriment of um, other cuisines. And that's what's so great about London, I think. Um, but who knows what's going to happen in the next ten, let alone ten years, two years, with that Brexit looming, yeah. um, it's, it, it's a tough one. I was devastated uh, uh, the, the, the following morning to see that uh, Britain had voted to, to leave Europe. And, uh, and the consequences won't be felt, I don't think, until at least another five years, the true consequences. Now, how it will affect the dining scene of London, I don't know. I, I, I really can't tell. I fear, though. I do fear. And I, I fear for the independent restaurant as well, uh, because it's becoming more and more difficult to, to open a restaurant in a high street um, and, and as a pure restaurant. I, I think a lot of independent restaurants will be pushed to the suburbs now uh, because it, it is becoming increasingly expensive to open a restaurant in central London. Uh, so the independents will be pushed out and the chains will take over central London. Coming up, novelist Veronica Henry finds some culinary inspiration for her next book. But first, to a little bit of that diversity that Michelle Rue Jr. says makes British food culture so interesting. Samaya Osmani grew up in Pakistan and now lives in Glasgow. She'll tell us more about her new book, Mountain Berries and Desert Spice, in our series of Extra Portion, featuring much more from our delicious friends. But here's her tip for getting the spice right in your curries. I think it's about a couple of things. And I, something I learnt when I was a child and picked it up vicariously, never realised I picked it up because nobody actually teaches you cookery. You know, you just kind of learn it by watching. And uh, I think one of the first things I learnt was that your base of a curry, so for example, if you're making a curry, your base of curry must have some form of whole spices that infuse the oil. So you have that one layer of infusion in the oil that cooks your food. And whether it's a dry kind of a curry or a very watery curry, the idea is that the, the initial flavor should come from whole spices and not ground because the intensity of um, the oil, the spices that release their flavors in the oil is completely different from anything that's been ground and put away in a cupboard. So that's definitely one layer. And I think another one that at least I think very key to Pakistani food is that there should be a degree of freshness in your spices. So you do need to layer at some point with loads of fresh coriander or mint or green chilies, something to kick 
open the flavor buds, you know, because obviously there's all this very rich earthiness, but then you want some freshness to layer up your mouth. So that's one. And then a lot of our dishes like dals and and maybe rice sometimes has a degree of ground spices that may be sprinkled on top, whether it's, you know, homemade garam masala or chaat masala, something to sort of like say, whoa, wait, this is really, really fresh. So there's this degree of freshness. And I think if you keep that in mind when you're cooking something, uh, that is, you know, that singular one dimensional curry powder or garam masala is not enough to give you that authentic you know, encompassing flavour. Veronica Henry is the best-selling author of 17 romance novels and a winner of the Romantic Novel of the Year. And her plots always feature plenty of the kind of food you'll find in the pages of Delicious magazine. Her next book, The Forever House, comes out this month. But Veronica is already looking for inspiration for the next one among the food producers and restaurants of Bath. I went with her to meet some of the people who may end up in the pages of her next bestseller. Well, I always start with um, a place when I'm when I, before I start with a plot. Really, I have to know where I am and where my characters are. Um, so, inevitably, the first thing I do is visit that place, um, see what it has to offer, see what might be new and happening, um, and just absorb the atmosphere. And I'd like to write about places where my readers will want to go ultimately I want to take them on a journey and for them to go actually I'd love to go there so Bath is a very aspirational kind of city isn't it it's beautiful it's where you dream of ending up and a lot of your characters are quite aspirational people aren't they they have beautiful houses yes I mean I I, I sort of write escapist fiction but it's kind of achievably escapist it's not ridiculous it's not sort of Jackie Collins Hollywood um, international jet setting superstars so the food they eat is pretty damn gorgeous yeah it's absolutely gorgeous but nothing that you couldn't recreate in the comfort of your own home hopefully so you know i'm not talking um about recreating michelin starred dishes i'm talking about um just going out and getting great produce and you know we all have to eat three times three or four times a day preferably four um so i might as well make that enjoyable within my books um and meals are a great you know dramatic setting you know there's nothing better than people sitting around a table and, and you know stuff happens at the dinner table especially if there's drink involved as well so <laughs> so it's, it's perfect dramatically it works really well food yes. food is massively emotional as well so very often what people are eating or not eating will reflect their sort of emotional journey if you like mm. if that doesn't sound too pretentious <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. you know it's a, it's a celebration you know there's always food at a celebration so if there's a high pot point um, that's a lovely thing for me to then indulge in. Is you know, how can I make this the greatest party for my reader and my characters? We've just been to a vegetarian and yes. vegan restaurant, yeah, for example. Absolutely stunning, stunning food. You know, real depth of flavour in there that you kind of traditionally associate with the long, you know, chicken stock or beef stock being cooked down. But still, those those intensities of flavour were there. So food is evolving massively um, I think when I started off it was stodge <laughs> my characters were eating stodge um, and now you know they're more health conscious or, and they're more it is much more visual now food people are really conscious of what food looks like on the plate so I have to kind of translate that too we all love the old favourites the comfort food but, yeah. then, but then it's nice to be in with the you know as you say vegan fashionable of the moment or nose to tail cooking you know you've got to be aware of all of those things without lecturing people on how to eat properly it's amazing when you go out and you start talking to people how that will turn into a a funny story or an interesting dramatic dynamic um and you just think oh yeah i know who you're going to be in my book and it, it won't necessarily be who that person is 
but there'll be something that they say that just trips the switch and you just think, that is amazing. As we walked around the city to find out what's trending in Bath's food scene, we met Charlotte at the Thoughtful Bread Company, who was preparing a pop-up, and Vicky in Society Cafe to see what's new with coffee. Uh, the last one we did was a curry club. Um, so rather than just serving like a bog-standard curry and naan bread, we looked into lots of different seasonal ingredients. So we did a really nice slow-roasted lamb. Um, and because we're a bakery, we baked our own naan bread and, and did all sorts of other things, chapati chips and, and that kind of thing. But we also emptied out our dining area and decorated it so it was really immersive, lots of candles and fairy lights and other sort of decorative things around. That's amazing. So it's just sort of about all the different textures and different flavours and how, how to sort yeah, of definitely. Um, turn that into almost a story, if you like, over seven courses yeah, or whatever. Yeah, sure. That's, yeah, it's quite it's inspirational, really, isn't it? Yeah. And, and then I love the idea of the decoration as well. Sort of, I can see it very pink and sort of hot. Yes, it was, yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> People don't really realise when they think about coffee is that it's actually a fruit. So cascara is what surrounds the bean that you get as roasted coffee. So it's actually a byproduct. So lots of farmers on the farm will actually drink that as their kind of rather than get a coffee fix. They uh, brew that. We brew it called like a tea, just with water. Um, and then we served it to you today mixed with some tonic water and some grapefruit just to kind of really emphasise the fruity flavours. So it's kind of a good caffeinated kind of tea. So. It, but it looks like a cocktail, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, or oh, you can put some booze in there if you want. <laughs> Don't you worry. <laughs> you might have to. A yeah. bit of vodka, perhaps. Which is have you got one to show us? Yes, I do. These tiny little glasses of the very sort of clear... Sort of jewel colour, isn't it? Like a, um, almost an Aperol colour. Yeah, absolutely. I'm always looking for really visual food to write in my book so that I can, people can imagine it. Um, even if they can't taste it, they can see it in their brains. So that's perfect, and I love innovative, exciting, new, fun things. Um, so, you know, everybody's going to be drinking them now. <laughs> hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Before we hang out with Jamie Oliver and the kings and queens of the food industry, let's hear from delicious editor Karen Barnes and what we can read in the May issue of the magazine. 
have a new and very important series starting this month. It's called the uh, Food Writer in Residence series and part of the thinking with putting this together was inviting food writers who are not necessarily the most well-known but who write fantastically about food, write wonderful recipes and some of whom might be unsung heroes. Uh, So we're going to have each one maybe doing two or three issues worth of recipes and that will be rolling out over the course of the next couple of years. The first of those is Gil Meller who is from the River Cottage and he last year wrote a fantastic book called Gather to great acclaim and he's starting the first of two big features for us and it's a a walk and eat feast so it's his food to pack up in a rucksack and go out as soon as there's a sunny day sometimes when you think about country cooking people maybe think it's very traditional and um, retro and maybe not involving any new twists and new flavours and I think Gil is one of those cooks who he he's looking forward as well he's looking at influences from other restaurants and thinking about new ingredients Mm. and so his his recipes are uh, traditional with a modern twist I would say. We also have a feature which is all about the rules of cooking that make a difference and I have to say I'm not a great one for rules generally in life Um, but I think all of us can identify with those moments where you sometimes you might make a recipe and think why has it tasted so good today when last week I made the same thing and it wasn't quite I don't know if you've had those experiences and we were all discussing this in the office we you want to know why and what makes the difference and usually the difference is something quite small so it might be that you've rushed cooking the onions for example Mm -hmm. or you haven't caramelized something for quite long enough or you've been making a cake and you've been a bit rough when you've been folding in the egg whites that have so much carefully whipped Mm -hmm. in air so we identified seven rules that um, you can understand and understand the technique and why it's important to do it a certain way and then we've created a recipe using each of those rules uh, just to help um, readers and and magazine users to understand what it is that makes cooking better than it would otherwise be. And finally to the CEO cook-off at London's Billingsgate where senior business leaders swapped their suits for aprons last month to cook a banquet for hundreds of everyday heroes with some of the best chefs in the UK. Can I please ask you to join me in welcoming to the stage Her Royal Highness the Duchess of Cornwall and the founder and CEO of UK Harvest and Oz Harvest Ronnie Khan and Mr Jamie Oliver. The money raised on the evening went to the Jamie Oliver Food Foundation and to UK Harvest, which saves quality surplus food from going to landfill and redistributes it to people in need. I joined chef Stephen Terry as he got busy with his CEO partners. Well, we're making a lamb rotolo, which is essentially like a pasta Swiss roll. So it's filled with like beautiful, lovely Brecon braised lamb shoulder, some chimada rapi. We've got some beautiful sort of rosemary infused sort of white, white sauce, a bit of tomato sauce, a little bit of braised lamb ragu. It's all in there and it's all rolled up nice and tight dabbed in flour and, and pan fried. So it's like a rolled lasagna, essentially. Who's your CEO here? I've got two. I've got Fiona and Mark. I'm from Mars. And I'm from EE. And you've paid a lot of money to do this with Stephen, haven't you? Yeah, we've raised a load of money. Um, we've raised, I've raised over £10,000 from 
friends, family, all around, you've done the same thing. I mean, it's pretty amazing how people have wanted to support the charity. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, Fantastic. great cause. So come on then, of that amazing stuff, what are you actually cooking, Fiona? Well, we've done some beetroot, we've done some orange, like we're basically prepping. We're just being pointed in the right direction, prepping, trying not to yeah. injure we, ourselves. We trimmed a monk's beard earlier on, which is something <laughs> I've, I've, ne- I've never done before. Paul Pomeroy is CEO of McDonald's and was working with Chef Mark Hicks. It's brought awareness to something that's really important in the UK. Education is such an important part. And uh, I've got two young boys myself. And as CEO of McDonald's, I think it's important that we educate children to understand food um, and what they need to take out of food. And respect it. And respect it, yeah. There's a huge amount of food waste that goes out you know, from, from the back doors of restaurants you know, and, and making sure people understand now, we've been involved in British uh, farming and agriculture. It's a natural step for us to be involved in making sure that you know, waste is as important as the, as the way in which we look after our farmers. And we, we source 100% British and Irish beef, and Mark and I were just talking about we probably may even share the same farmers. Hello, girls. Hi. Peter. Lovely man he is, too. Peter Harding from Lucas Aid Ribena, who raised the most cash of all the CEOs, was rewarded with the top prize from his chef partner. I first had a real thrill cooking with Jamie Oliver. So I've was had a he mean perf- to you? Um, no, he was sweet. <laughs> <laughs> They've given us real jobs to do. I've been making horseradish, cooking beef. Uh, Did I've you do made- anything Oh, well, I got a slap wrist for leaving a dirty plate and stuff, but it's been ma- magnificent. It's been real, really inspirational. Yeah. Now, LucasAid has already reduced the sugar, mm-hmm. yeah? And Ribena. Yes. We realised um, that we've been on the wrong side of the argument for quite some time. And we realised that it was time for a change. And it was, we had an opportunity to lead the soft drinks industry. And we made a decision about a year ago that we were going to undergo a massive reformulation of our drinks to try and cut 50% of the sugar out. We managed to reformulate our drinks with 50% less sugar, but they taste exactly the same. You get exactly the same glucose in Luxade all the vitamin C and Ribena but they still taste brilliant and it's and was this because of Jamie and the sugar tanks? well I think Jamie's been an inspiration for us um, and no, I, I say that very sincerely because what he's he had a point and you know I'm, I'm a father to my for four children I care about their health and I care about the health of the kids in the UK I mean call me an old cynic here but you must have known about the impact of sugar on children's teeth before Jamie Oliver made a television programme about it. Well, Lucasade and Ribena have been formulated in this way for 70, 80 years. And you know, there comes a point where we decided we had to make a change. And the change is, is, apps, is very, it's a very radical change that we're making. And I have a thousand people in the UK now punching the air, clapping and cheering as these new products come off our line, these new fabulous drinks that taste wonderful, still have glucose energy, but are low in sugar. And that, it makes them proud to be part of our company. And presumably and that's a massive education process in itself. They become the foot soldiers. They then become advocates for what we're doing. And you know that you know, I'm just really excited that I can stand beside people like Jamie Oliver I could stand behind, beside Action on Sugar, the Department of Health, and say, actually, what we're doing is the right thing to it's do. It's absolutely the right thing, and, and it's brilliant. And I've just been talking to um, Paul from McDonald's, and he's standing next to Mark Hicks, and he's making amazing food. But it is interesting, isn't it, that it takes somebody like Jamie Oliver to talk to the CEOs for us to save the planet. Well, 
I think perhaps finding a way to work in partnership with the guys who make these drinks, make the McDonald's snacks, etc., and find a way of them leading the charge is a far easier way of doing it rather than actually forcing them to do it. There are some business leaders who are responsible for large organizations who kind of believe the same thing. Yeah. And you know, I I see that now as our mission that for us in the soft drinks industry, that we are the first in the UK to make this change. I'm hoping others will follow us. Um, I'm hoping others will encourage kids and, and adults to take more exercise. And if we can get enough people moving the center of gravity to the of the argument, we might just be able to create real change in a way that in the last 10 years we haven't been able to achieve it. I asked Jamie Oliver how he sees his role in influencing the CEOs. I think that to hold an event that is a spectacle, that's memorable, uh, that engages um, lots of CEOs, that, you know, if you combine them, and many of them are multinational companies, they have a huge reach to the public and a huge power as far as procurement, buying, their connections with businesses like farming and agriculture and, of course, acknowledging things like waste. So when you are working with the bosses... Uh, it means you've got an amazing opportunity to inspire and empower uh, and hopefully kind of, in a nice way, put a little pressure on these people that run these companies um, about the story of waste not being a kind of nice luxury. It's a necessity. And um, the fact about sort of, you know, procuring food or buying food in a kind of responsible way, um, you know, this can make a, a, a big, big impact. And, you know, we had some amazing CEOs from some huge businesses. So from McDonald's to, uh, you know, even the CEO of, of LucasAid, Ribena, you know, openly thanked me for um, promoting the sugary drinks tax. Who would have ever thought that that conversation would ever have happened? But, you know, um, ultimately, I think these individuals have incredible power to not only look after their colleagues and staff in the most amazing way, but also um, help educate and inspire the public as well. Thanks for listening to The Delicious Podcast. You can find out much more from the website at deliciousmagazine.co.uk. And while you're there, do subscribe to the podcast and get a weekly feast of uncut interviews in our series Extra Portion until the June podcast goes live at the end of May.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.